Hey friends, welcome to Anchored In Always. I'm Katie Thornhill, and I've been through the storms of marriage infidelity, drug and alcohol addiction of a loved one, and even loss of a child to cancer. In this podcast, I will share with you how to place healthy boundaries in your relationships, how to recover from past hurts using the principles of Christian recovery, and how to find healing even in the loss of a loved one, so that you can live a life of joy and purpose despite your circumstances. If you're ready to find freedom and victory, then join me on a journey of soul restoration as we anchor into Jesus. So pull your hair back, strap on your boots, and grab your Bible, and let's weather this storm. Well, hey, welcome back to Anchored In Always. Um, I am so excited about my guest for today's show. Um, Sarah has been a friend of mine for a few years now, and I've been really trying to get her on the podcast, but her her schedule and my schedule were just very busy. But I'm so thankful that um, we finally were able to pick a time and a day, and she's here. And so I'm just so excited for you all to hear her story. Um, I met Sarah a few years ago. She was a teacher at the elementary school that um, all three of my children attended. And, um, and then her son, Mac, was in uh, Marcus's classroom, and they became buddies. And we actually had Mac over for a sleepover one time and him and Marcus just had a, a sweet little bond and, and got along um, really well. And so I got to know her a little bit through that, but really how I got to know Sarah the most was um, through something she'll talk about here in a minute, but the if gatherings, were, which were like women's events that she held here with a group of her friends and her sister um, in Clarksville. And they were amazing. And I attended as many of those as I could. I spoke at a couple of them or was on the panel and I got to know Sarah through that. Um, and so our friendship just deepened through all of that. So I wanted to have Sarah on the show today so that she could just share from her heart um, just some things that she's been through and really um, what it looks like to um, when you experience some hard things in life, but when you're fully surrendered to God, what he can do with a heart and with a life that's fully surrendered to him. And I think you all will see that um, as you listen to Sarah today. So with that, Sarah, thank you so much for just coming on the show today. Um, Will you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself so the listener can kind of get to know who you are? Yeah, thank you so much, Katie. I'm excited to be here with you as well. And I just want to tell you how incredibly grateful I am that you are doing this podcast. I think it's an amazing outlet for women to be able to listen. And I think a lot of times we go through grief or we go through trials or sufferings and we want to box it up and put it away. And there's shame in that or the grief that comes out in the emotions. And so I'm so grateful to be able to talk about that pain because I feel like a lot of times we go through those events and those situations so that we can help someone else through it in the future. And um, so I'm just excited to be here and share my heart with you too. And so my name is Sarah and I was born and raised here in Clarksville. A lot of people ask, are you military? And we're not, we've just always lived here. Um, I grew up on my family farm and we've got cows and now today we've got chickens and goats and I just love being outside with them. And so I've got three children, Kinsley, Mac, and Elsie, and my husband, Chad. And so we live here in Clarksville with my sister. Um, Her family's here, my mom and dad. So we've just got the whole gang here. But um, I grew up teaching in Clarksville, Montgomery County, and then now have our school, Chapel Hill. So it's been an adventure um, that I'd love to share a little bit more about with you today, too. 
Oh, yes. I can't even wait for you to get into all of that. <laughs> um, yes, you have a beautiful family. And I just love them all. It's so awesome that y'all get to be here together, too, in the same yeah. um, town. That's amazing. Um, so, Sarah, as you know, um, I know you know a little bit about or a lot about really my story and just everything we endured as a family um, with Marcus's cancer um, and him passing uh, about a year and a half ago um, from that cancer. And I know that you are no stranger to loss and loss of somebody very near and dear to you. So I just wanted to um, see if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that journey and just really how it impacted you. Sure. Yeah. So it's crazy that we're coming up on, it'll be six years this August and it just seems like it was yesterday. And then some days it feels like so long ago since I last got to see her and hear her voice. So, um, I told you, I have my sister, Lindsay lives here in Clarksville with me. And, um, we also had an older sister, Shay, and a lot of people know Shay by her incredible talent that God gifted her in being a photographer. And uh, a lot of people still have her sweet photos hanging on their walls. And she was gifted, um, even with one of her eyes being uh, legally blind. And we always talked about that and just like how special God wired Shay specifically to be able to capture such beautiful moments. And you would think a photographer, you know, having a legally blind eye wouldn't be able to do that. But I just think how beautiful is that, that God created her just so uniquely like that. Mm -hmm. um, but Shay was so special to us. It was me, Shay and Lindsay, and we we're definitely very close best friends and maybe didn't grow up like that. Uh, we had our <laughs> arguments and fights as siblings, but once we were in high school and especially college and then having children and getting married, um, they were my best friends. And so Lindsay and I got married before Shay and, um, we were so excited when her day was finally coming. Um, we were anticipating the birth of her baby and she was building a house and just so excited to see our big sister finally getting this beautiful life she's been praying for and waiting for. And um, it was in January of 2016 when she had just had her baby in that past November um, and she went to the doctor just for a normal checkup. And at that appointment, they saw some abnormal cells and she went for further checkups in Vanderbilt and, and Nashville and um, came to realize that she had a very rare type of cervical cancer. And I remember that day that she told us we all gathered around as a family. And I, I just believed like, you're going to be fine. Like nothing's going to happen to you. We had never lost anybody like that in our family. And so just the idea of her passing away, never, ever, um, I couldn't have imagined that. And so we ended up, it was like a huge snowstorm that January. And it was the day that she had to go get her tests um, done. And so her scans and we made it, dad drove us up there in the snow. And, um, we were there with her through that. And, it would come to find out that the cancer was really, really severe. Um, she would end up having to have a hysterectomy and start chemo and radiation immediately. And even just the hysterectomy in itself, you know, talking with her about that and never being able to have children again and what that was like for her as a brand new mom. And she just had a baby, but she didn't realize that would be the only one. And, um, 
so that was a, a new chapter in itself. But then watching her through chemo and radiation for the next six months was incredibly hard and also inspiring and hard because you just saw the really rough days that she had the days when she was so sick. Um, she had just had this new baby, but she couldn't hold it. She couldn't rock it. She couldn't feed it. And so, um, just having to be there with her in helping her be a new mom and going through treatment. Um, so she would endure all of that throughout those six months. And I can remember the day that we had to shave her head. She was losing her hair. Um, and just as a, of, as a woman and what that was, but she felt so much peace in it and throughout her whole journey. And what I meant of her being inspiring was just, she had so much joy still through all of that. And she wanted to love on people and she would go to her treatments and look for ways to talk to the lady sitting next to her or with the nurse that was attending to her. And I was just like, Shay, you are so amazing. Like you're here getting chemo or radiation and you're like loving on all these people. And I just think what a light she was. And, um, so we would, um, that July, we found out that the chemo and radiation had worked and she was cancer free. And we were just uh, like over the moon. Um, we just felt like all of our prayers had been answered and um, just couldn't be any more grateful. Um, we also found out that same week that my other sister and I were pregnant. And so we were like, ah, next spring is going to be amazing um, because you're going to have your, we're going to have our babies and you're done with cancer now. And so we were just on cloud nine. Uh, we went to the beach and we celebrated with a family trip and just enjoyed like just being with one another. And um, so school would start. I was a teacher at the time at that elementary school. And, um, it was just a normal day and I was about 12 or 13 weeks pregnant. And I remember that day, the thing that bothered me the most were my pants were getting really tight <laughs> and, um, having my third child, like I was showing a little faster, but, um, I remember that's what bothered me the most that day. And now looking back, I think, gosh, I wish that had been the only thing I had been worried about that day and just how petty that was, you know, um, but it would, it would be a phone call that I would receive while I was teaching and I didn't get to answer it because I, I was teaching. And so we were going out to recess and I saw that I had like seven missed calls and I thought, oh my goodness. So I called the first person back and it was my brother-in-law, Cody. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And I'm walking the kids out to the playground. And um, he shared the news that Shay was found unconscious in a hotel room. Her and her husband and their baby had gone to Chattanooga for a convention. Um, and when her husband came back, she didn't answer the hotel room door and, and he could hear the baby crying through the door. Um, and so that's all we really knew at the time. We didn't know anything else. Um, Shay was kind of clumsy sometimes. And so we thought, well, maybe she fell. Like what happened? Like, this is crazy. And um, I remember sitting down on the bench out at the playground and my teammate was beside me and I told her what happened. And she said, it was like my body was in shock. And I said, she's unconscious. She's going to the emergency room. And she's like, you, you've got to go. And I, and I remember repeating her and I was like, I've got to go. I've, I've got to go. And so it was like, my body wasn't, it didn't know what to do. And so I raced to the front and I let my principal know I needed to leave. And I remember running because my mom was calling at that time and I needed to go and pick her up. And we were just going to get on the interstate and drive. 
Um, and I immediately went into take care of my mom mode. Mm -hmm. And there was, I was feeling so many different emotions, but I tried to push it down because I had to be strong. I was going to go pick up my mom and I needed to support her. And so we would end up getting in the truck and I sat in the back seat with my mom and my dad as we raced to Chattanooga. I've never gotten there so fast. Mm. Um, and my, my other sister and her husband were in the other car. Um, I'll never forget that car ride. And yeah, it was, um, hearing my mom just like screaming her name and we got the phone call that she was brain dead and just wanting to be there so badly with her. Um, I thought about the night before I had just seen her and, um, she was on the farm where we lived and she had walked through the backyard to the pasture to take senior photos of someone. And I remember watching her in the field and I'm so glad that that's my last memory of her getting to see her do something she loved to do. And as they were leaving to go to another location, she waved at me in the glass and um, I got to wave back at her. And I wish so badly I had ran outside and hugged her and told her how much I loved her. And um, So we would get to Chattanooga and hear the news. Um, they brought us into one of those rooms that you never want to go in in the hospital. And um, it was a side room off of the waiting room. And I remember when the doctor came in to talk to us, I kept looking at his hand and he had a ring and he was probably our age. He was younger. And I kept just imagining that he had to feel like this could be my wife. Like she's my age and just this family and they're just had a new baby. And um, he tried a, a surgery to get in and, and to her brain to see what he could do, um, even though all the scans showed that she was gone. Um, so we got up to go to the, to the room to see her. And it was pretty apparent that she had already left us. The machines were still pumping her body. Um, but scan after scan, all of the results came back that she was gone. So come to find out the cancer had returned so aggressively um, that it metastasized in her brain. And um, it was like the size of like a tennis ball. Um, that was in between. She had just had a scan two months ago. So in that two months, it had come back so harsh. Um, that night, we had to we had to wait until the next day and make a decision if we were going to take her off of all of the machines. And uh, my mom and my dad and her husband slept at the hotel and we her baby was there. So my sister and I took her baby and I can remember us rocking her and feeding her and just thinking this should be Shay. Like, why are we holding her brand new baby? And um, so. Chattanooga is definitely a very hard place for us to travel to today. And um, I'll never forget that ride down or even the ride back home without her. Yeah. Um, that night, you know, that we had waited for the results. It's just crazy, you know, and this is one of the first ways I feel like God was starting to work. And um, Shay visited my dad in a dream. And she kept talking about all the flowers and how beautiful the flowers were in heaven. And she said, I'm okay. I'm okay. And dad told us that about that when we got back to the hospital that next morning. And I felt like that was God just starting to reassure us that like, I've got her. And, um, so 
losing Shay in that way um, definitely changed my entire life. You, you know, I go back to, and I, I make light of the pants and how that bothered me. I ended up having to wear those pants for three days that weekend because I had no clothes oh <laughs> in Chattanooga. God. And, um, and I just think, gosh, like how crazy it is when you wake up in the morning and you just have no idea what's to come that day. And there is a verse Shay always, and she blogged about her journey with cancer. And she always said, teach me to number our days, you know, Lord, mm-hmm. give us wisdom. And I think so many times we think, oh, I've got so many years left, you know, I'm going to live to be a hundred or you might live to be 34, you know, like she did. And, um, you just never know. And so that really has also changed my way of thinking of just like, how do I use my day? What am I going to do with my day? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so many things changed from that day. Um, I would have a really hard time actually grieving. Um, I was getting my master's and I told you I was pregnant at the time. And so I stayed extremely busy. Um, I pushed it down and I tried to take care of everybody. I was trying to learn this new role of me being the oldest sister. And what does that look like? And I I was always the middle. And, um, and so I didn't really leave any space to grieve. I, um, you would think in a family of us all losing the same person, we would grieve the same way, but we didn't, Mm -hmm. it was all very different. And, um, and God, I should have known better because he was going to make sure the space was there for me to feel and to, to cry and to feel those emotions. Um, Shay passed away in August and then I finished my degree and graduated in December. And it was that January that I got put on bed rest for eight weeks before my daughter was born. And so I was in a place where I was in the house by myself in the quiet. And I look back and I think, God, you are so good to do that. You knew I needed that time alone with you. And it took me a couple of weeks um, before I really got down on my knees and just, I shared everything. I shared the anger. I shared the sadness. I shared the disbelief and the doubt and all the fears. And I did a really nice, ugly cry on the living room floor. Mm. Um, but that was when I truly started to grieve her. It wasn't until a few months later. Um, but it's also when my relationship with the Lord changed dramatically. I think I was checking the boxes, Katie. I was, I thought I had a good religion. I, I loved the Lord. I felt like we were leading the family in the right way but I didn't talk to him. I didn't listen to him. I didn't spend time with him. And so that time on my bed rest is really when my relationship with Lord began. Um, It's when I I craved to spend time with him. And I was so desperate for the Lord to fill those holes in my heart. And he did. And, um, and that's definitely what's the catalyst for everything else that's happened since then. Wow. Well, Sarah, well, first and foremost, I just, I'm so sorry for your deep loss and, you know, thank you so much just for your vulnerability and sharing something like that today with us and, and just even shedding the tears and being open with your emotions. I think people need to know it's okay to do that. You know, it's okay to, to feel all the feelings and let other people see that and hear that. Um, and I can resonate with so much of what you said and shared, um, you know, the feelings of when we found out about Marcus's diagnosis, feeling 100% hopeful, you know, knowing like he's going to be okay. Um, you know, God's got this and he's not even, he's seven years old. He's not going to die for, you know, um, because I know, you know, I, I had faith and I knew that God was able to heal him. Um, 
but I didn't understand I was like that too. Whereas, you know, I never had gone through anything so hard as that and where I didn't have any control whatsoever over the outcome. And, and so, you know, I was more legalistic checking the boxes and things had been going in my favor for the most part. We had had some marriage struggles, of course, too, and Josh's addiction struggle, but nothing like this, where it was life or death really, um, and a child. And, um, so that was the same experience for me in just, um, so completely heartbreaking and, um, and hard, but yet one of the things that I can say now has uh, grown my faith like no other, because although God didn't answer my prayer in the way that I was asking, he did heal Marcus. Um, he is healed and Shay is healed. And, um, you know, hopefully they're having a good old time together up there in heaven. Um, but you know, he, I just think that, um, those kind of stories hearing that, and you know, we have a choice to make in those situations. Like we can, choose to, um, numb ourselves with something and just, you know, um, harden our heart, excuse me, I'm like choking harden our heart and, um, turn away from God, which is what some people choose to do. And that to me is so heartbreaking because he's the thing that's going to heal our hearts and heal our grief. Like we're always going to grieve them and miss and, and miss them. And there's always going to be a longing there, but he is the only thing that can truly fill that void, um, of, of someone when you lose someone you love. So, uh, I love hearing that in your story as well. Cause I, I resonate so much with that in my own. Um, so Sarah, tell us a little bit about, so how did that lead into like the next season of your life where, you know, you started go, um, leading these women's ministry? How did that come from, yeah. you know, this season of your life? Yeah. So at that time, I had never really prayed in front of anybody. I definitely wasn't leading any small groups or anything, but I felt this passion and this fire for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it, it definitely came from a place of God, look what you're doing in my own heart through this personal loss and these holes in my heart. And so God, I just, I'm going to share that with other people. And I remember being on my phone one night and I saw this thing called an if gathering. And I was like, Oh, that's super fun. Like you just get together, you have a meal and you talk about the Lord. And I was like, I love the Lord and I love to eat. So let's do it. And so I remember texting my sister and she was like, you should totally do that. That's you. And I was like, well, you're in on this too. So just get ready. <laughs> and, um, so I prayed about it and I thought, I'm just going to invite some friends over and we're just going to focus our conversation on the Lord. At that time, they had a study about who is Jesus and it had some videos as well. And so I downloaded it and I sent the text out to 10 friends and I said, I don't really know a lot about this, but I think this might be something, you know, worth spending our time. Let's get together. And so I started in my kitchen with just 10 women. And I can remember about 10 minutes before they came, I was down on my knees in my bedroom and I was sweating. I was so nervous and the enemy was attacking me like crazy on who do you think you are to lead a women in towards Jesus? You don't know how to pray in front of people. You're not going to say the right words. You don't know enough about the Bible. And I had to just get down on my knees and say, God, like, please just use me. Lord, give me the words to say, um, God, just help me. Like, I just had no idea. And so I can remember, um, the women coming over and we all just sat around the kitchen table and it ended up being the sweetest night of just raw, transparent conversation about 
our relationships with God. And I had been with all of these women many times of, for dinner or lunch or coffee or whatever, but it's when we had an intentional conversation about our walk with the Lord, when I really feel like our relationships grew so much deeper. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a chit chat or how were the kids? Um, we were able to focus on one another. And I remember in preparation for that one gathering, that dinner, um, the Lord had really pressed upon me the importance of journaling. And I, I told you about that time of bed rest. And that's when I began to journal and share my heart with the Lord, um, mostly because it it honestly just helped me focus in my quiet time with him, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll sit in my mind is like still pinging on all the different things. Yeah. And when I'm writing it, though, it helps me really focus on my thoughts and what I'm, I'm hearing from the Lord or what I want to share with him. And it also has become such a beautiful place for me to look back at his faithfulness, to look back at the really great days and the ways he's answered prayers, to look back at the hard days and how he was right there with me in those hard moments. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to share that with these ladies. And so I bought them each a composition notebook, school supplies were on sale. And I just (laughs) took the first page out of that composition notebook. It wasn't anything fancy. And I just wrote a prayer for each of them and my hope for them to grow closer to the Lord through this. We ended up loving it all so much, the the dinner, that we were like, let's do this again next month. So all of the 10 women invited a friend. So our next month we had 20 women. And then the next month they invited friends. And so it grew in four months to this group of 200 women uh, from all different churches, all different walks of life, some that have never stepped foot in a church, but just wanted to come. And so I think, God, that was so amazing what he did in just one step of obedience. And looking back now, Katie, I can see how the Lord was trusting me with a little because soon he was going to be trusting me with a whole, whole lot. And I think, um, what a beautiful way for him to, to train me up in following him and listening to him and sharing my faith. I prayed in front of those people and my hands may have been shaking and sweating. Um, but for the first time I was able to just talk to the Lord in front of people. And I know that seems so silly to, to have that fear, but I was so nervous about the words I would say, and did they sound right? And he really took me to a place of just share your heart. Mm. Just there, we don't need an eloquent speech or a prayer or anything, but just talk to me. And so the transparency, I think throughout those four months that the women shared the raw testimonies that people would come to share um, the table conversations, you know, those 10 women that we started with, we scattered out in our group and we led the tables. And so it was just also really cool. I think for the women to feel equipped and empowered to lead a small group in the Lord. And, and some people took those groups and they started them in their homes. Um, it was just, I think a beautiful picture of women from all different denominations, all different walks of life, um, coming together in one place to love on the Lord. And so, um, if gathering is always going to be such a special time in my life. And, um, we ended up being able to have Jenny Allen come to Clarksville and, um, a church here helped us host that. And it was just incredible. And I really felt like what a cool culmination of this time. And I feel like that was a beautiful chapter in my life of the Lord, um, showing his faithfulness to me and you keep stepping out and I'm going to meet you right there where you are. Um, so I loved it. Yes. Um, what I love about that, Sarah is, you know, out of just coming out of that really hard season, like right away of losing Shay and then being on bed rest. And then God met you there 
in that time of bed rest um, to draw your heart to his and start that journaling process, which became so crucial um, mm -hmm. as you were going into the next season of, of doing these if gatherings. But like you said, um, starting small, I think sometimes people think if it's not big and there's not huge numbers and a huge following, it's not impactful, but just starting small right where you are. And I think that's why it was impactful is because your heart was not about doing something for yourself, like to get yourself out there. It was just simply to do the next right thing and be obedient. And God had laid it on your heart. So, okay, I'm going to invite some women over to my house and then look what he did, you know, um, and at you acknowledging that every step of the way that it wasn't about Sarah and and those 10 women, um, so much used you guys, but it was about him and his power working through you guys through obedient servant hearts. And so I think that is just so powerful to speak to women today. Start small, start right where yeah. you are with yeah. who's around you and, and for the right reasons, like get your heart right with the Lord first and foremost, that's what he wants more than anything. And then he can use you in really powerful ways that you've never imagined. So yeah. speaking on that, yeah. What is God leading you uh, more recently in your life that, that maybe is something you've never imagined you'd see yourself doing? Share a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So he definitely brought me to an, a new level. There was in July of 2019. Um, I can remember the Lord starting to nudge me about a Christian school. And I had been in our Clarkson Montgomery County system for 12 years and I loved it. And, um, but I could tell that God was missing and I, that was something that was becoming very apparent to me. And so he really began stirring this idea in my heart of, well, why don't you start a Christian school? And I wrestled with that for a few months. And I was like, God, that is such a good idea. Somebody should do that. I love that. I will go work there. And um, those same doubts and fears of when I started with if of Sarah, who are you to start a Christian school? You've never been a principal. You don't know how to start a school. There's no handbook on how to do that. And so my prayer really shifted over those few months, though, of God, choose someone to do that, to, okay, God, if you've chosen me, just show me the next step. And if you really think about like, you're going to start a school, that sounds really big and kind of overwhelming. And so I tried to think about it in little chunks of, okay, today, what do I need to do? And it was through those few months of that so the late summer into fall and winter of 2019, that the intentional time I spent with the Lord would be critical in starting this school because um, it was in those quiet moments when God really started to shift the desires of my heart to align with his. Mm -hmm. And I don't think had I spent that time in a quiet place where I could hear him and listen to him, if I allowed the world's noise to come in on me, um, because it did, it was very difficult in the months to come when I would try to start a school during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, of what are you doing? This is crazy. Um, but through Shay's loss and through if God had built such a, like, I just trusted him with everything I had. And I was like, God, you have been so faithful to me that I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out. And the story in Joshua, when they were coming up against the, the sea and the river and the Jordan river and they had to put their feet in the water first before the water was going to split. And God brought me back to Joshua so many times in just the bold, courageous faith that they needed at that time. And I felt like he was building me up and saying, Sarah, just take the first step and I'll be there. I'll meet you there. And so I 
met with the Department of Education and I brought my prayer journal, of course, because that's where everything was. Everything God had spoken, like the name of the school to what the campus would look like to the um, the mission and the heart behind it. And so all these things I had, I just didn't know exactly what to do with it. So I sat before the Department of Education and I laid my prayer journal down and I shared all of this with them. And I said, you know, I just want a school where kids can have their Bibles open in class. You know, what kind of school is that? And so we would go through all the logistics of it being a category four and the application process and everything. And I was like, okay, so I I think I'm going to start a school, I guess. So I just started visiting different private schools because I didn't know a lot about a, a private school. I'd always worked in public. And I just would email headmasters and say, hi, my name is Sarah. I'm thinking I'm going to start a school. Can I come and visit you? And now looking back, I'm like, oh, they're probably like this poor girl. Um, But I would visit and just plan and research. And I met with pastors from around our community. And I shared this idea with them just to get feedback because I, I felt like Clarksville needed another Christian school. I felt like we needed more options for families. And I also felt this desire for our homeschool students that Lord, like, wouldn't it be amazing if homeschool students could also come and be on campus and and be with the Lord and have a biblical education as well? And so there were all these ideas stirring, but I just needed to, to organize it. So it would come to many meetings during my lunch breaks with my husband of just like, can we really do this? Can I really quit my job? And the numbers didn't add up. There was no reason why we thought I should have quit my job when I had three kids at home and a mortgage and all the things. And, um, but it, it was, we had peace about it and thank goodness for a supportive husband. Who's like, go after your dream. You can do it. Quit your job. Um, so I would be letting go of all these things that it didn't make sense on paper, retirement, insurance, benefits, giving all that up for this dream that may or may not happen. But we both felt so strongly like this is where the Lord is leading us. So I would go and um, meet with my boss that January and put in my resignation. And that was a pretty scary moment because I was I was finally speaking out that I was going to do this. And that was really scary because I had journaled about it. I had talked with my husband and my sister about it, but never like to a professional. And so I remember walking down there and telling her and just worried about her reaction, but she was so loving, prayed over me, cried with me and was just very supportive. And leaving that office that day, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And, um, I I had a position where I worked at central office. And so I got to work with lots of different principals and uh, assistant principals. And she asked me to share this news that I would be resigning with the, with the principals. And so I had the opportunity, Katie, to stand before all of the principals in Clarksville, Montgomery County and share this crazy dream and why I was resigning. And a part of me was scared to death because I, the fear, the doubt was who are you to stand before all of these people who are so much more experienced than you and tell them that you're going to start a school. And I can remember just feeling the 
most peace and like calm as I walked up to talk with them. And I thought, I'm going to share some Jesus with them. (laughs) And so I stood up there and shared this crazy dream that the God had placed on my heart. And the reactions were so overwhelmingly sweet and just people supporting me and some people crying with me. And I had shared them, shared about Shay a little bit and just how I felt like I was taking the next step of obedience. And that moment, I really feel like was another Sarah, do you trust me moment from God? I felt like that was a huge pivotal moment of, will you step out and humble your, yourself and surrender over what any of these people will think of you and, and follow through with what I'm asking you to do. So we would end up having another if gathering. Um, and I got to share out there would be the next big moment that I was going to start a school. And I had built the website and created this video to, to cast the vision because I just wanted people to see like what a school would be like before it really existed. Right. I, how do you do that? And um, that women's gathering was on like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it would be that next week when schools would shut down for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, people started losing their jobs and working from home. And I thought, what have I done? I That week before I had launched this school and this website and shared this vision and I've quit my job and now this pandemic has come in. And so that was a really hard, high, and then really low moment Mm -hmm. because everybody was telling me, how are you going to start a private school when schools are shut down? Like there's no way. So I had to spend a lot of time with the Lord in him affirming to me that, yes, Sarah, this is what I'm calling you to do. I had to stop listening to men or, you know, women too, but men and go back to what the Lord was asking me to do. And those journal entries were huge for me because that's when I went back and I had to reread of, okay, God, I know this is what you've asked me to do. It doesn't make sense. I don't see how this is going to be possible. Um, so at that time I had a kindergarten teacher that was on board with me and she believed in the mission. And so I knew we had a kindergarten (laughs) and, um, I would have no idea, but to come would be pre-K three through fifth grade with multiple classes of each, because God knew we would need another choice. God knew we would need Chapel Hill. And so it's just crazy to me how he took something so beautiful out of such a dark time. And not only did my heart need it and the teachers that are working here, but I think the families that needed Chapel Hill and a place where they could send their children to learn about Christ and to have a biblical science book and to have God um, embedded in chapel time and science and social studies and math. And, and I just think, God, you knew our hearts so intimately that you prepared this place. Like what crazy timing is this? And so it just blew me away. And I, I am still so in awe that he did it and that I get to be a part of this. And people, you know, I've had six or seven different people come and meet with me about wanting to start their own schools. And the first thing I tell them is, look, I will share everything I did with you, but it was the Lord. Like there is no way, no reason why this should have worked out the way that it did. And I just always want to make sure to give him glory to this because this was so far beyond what Sarah could have done. There's no way. And I'm just like, I'm so in awe still today. It just excites me. And um, so here we are now, we opened our doors 
that day in August of 2020 um, with 120 students, which is insane. Um, and then we would come to grow to 176 students the next year. We opened doors to at Living Hope um, uh, is allowing us to lease space from them. And now we're getting ready to expand and to partner with Hildale Baptist as well, because we are out of space. We have filled this building to capacity. And so we're launching two campuses. We're looking to build and um, to, to go back to that vision God gave me for a, a campus for our school where children can spend time outdoors and there's animals for them to care and nurture and just a, a school that focuses on the Lord. Um, Chapel Hill has a special meaning in chapel being we're going to meet with the Lord every single morning. And God showed me how important that was through my own journey. Mm -hmm. um, even Jesus tells us that he left and went and met with the Lord each morning as well. And I think, gosh, how much more do we need that too? And it's such a sweet school and I could go on and on about it, for, you know, and tell you all the great things. But I think what I love most is just the Lord's presence. It's in the, in the classrooms, it's in the children, their faith is so contagious. Like when you are in chapel and you hear these babies praying to the Lord, I mean, I, it, that childlike faith is real and that just makes you want to believe and, and pray and, and they, um, they're incredible. And so I just am so thankful for what God's given me here. And I talked to you a little bit about the little things the Lord would come to trust me with. And now looking at what he's given me. And I just think, how lucky am I that he chose me to be a part of this? And this is something so much bigger than Sarah, so much bigger than just Chapel Hill. I believe the Lord is working through our community. I believe that he's using Chapel Hill to, to share his message in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just love it so much. And I look back now and I see Shay as being such a catalyst to all of this happening. And man, I wish she was here so bad. I, I would love for her to be here. Um, but I, I just know she's getting little glimpses of this mm -hmm. and, um, God's showing her like, look at an, the impact you had on all these people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's our story of Chapel Hill. <laughs> that is so incredible, Sarah. And Shay is there. She is there every step of it, of the way with this. I, I feel like she is looking over all this and part of it and with you in it in spirit for sure. Um, but the, what kept coming to my mind was Jehovah Jireh, you know, like the God who provides, you know, and he is enough. And, you know, um, it's just so incredible that it's the things like that, that are so much greater than we could accomplish on our own that we know are from him, you know, like, and we give him the glory, um, just watch how he does exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Right. Um, and I know for Josh and I, it was the same thing with, um, we had that vision to start celebrate recovery at Grace Community Church in Clarksville out of our, um, his addiction um, to drugs and alcohol and how much celebrate recovery had had healed him. And then I went through the program for anxiety, codependency and anger and was healed um, and our marriage was healed and restored. And then we had that same thing that the vision God placed it on our heart. We'd never been ministry leaders, just like, you know, you've never been a principal and started a school. And we were like, we second guessed the doubt. The enemy was like, who are you? You know, like you're a former drug addict, drug addict and you know, listen, like, who are you guys to do this? 
And, but we knew it, we just had a piece like you did, you know, we just knew that this was what God called us to. Um, so we met with the pastors to start it. And then two weeks later is when Marcus was diagnosed. And it was like this same as like COVID hitting, right. When you made that announcement, I was listening and I was like, gosh, there's so many parallels. Um, and we thought like, we can't do this. We can't start this ministry. Our son has cancer and it's not a good prognosis. And, you know, he's going to have all these treatments. And so we did put it off for a few months, but then the, the Lord just kept pressing and pressing on our hearts. And we both just knew that he was asking us to trust him that despite our circumstances, we were called to do this and it didn't matter. Like he was asking us to do this and trust him. And so we did. And looking back now, you know, We've seen how it's impacted so many people's lives in their, you know, in their marriages. And we have, um, you know, over a hundred people coming every Tuesday night for recovery and small groups meeting out, outside, you know, going through the 12 steps. And, um, but more than that too, like we thought we were starting this to help other people, but God knew what was in front of us. He knew the two-year battle we were going to face and um, he knew the outcome, you know, that he was going to be calling Marcus home. And how much we were going to need something greater than our ourselves in a sense, you know, something more to focus on and pour into to get us through this deep loss and the grief um, to keep us centered on him and kingdom focused um, and not so much on what we've lost in our pain and our suffering, but helping other others. Like you said, in the very beginning of the episode, you know, God um, comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort others. And that's, you know, kind of what's getting us through right now um, is this ministry. And I just love your vision for um, the community, like greater than, than just the school building, but what the impact it's going to have on the families and the children and, and branching all the way out in the community and the world. And it's just beautiful. And it's just amazing to see what our God can do um, in and through us. So I just love that so much. Well, in closing the episode um, today, first of all, um, what just final words of encouragement, like what would you say to the um, woman specifically, or the person listening today, who's just sitting in a place of just wrestling and feeling like they're just so broken that they're not used for anything. Um, what would you say to speak to them and give them hope? Yeah. I think if I could say something to them, I would say, surrender that and be super raw and real with the Lord about that pain. And I think we try to clean ourselves up and bring the good to him, but, um, it's in those really vulnerable moments when we really truly unpack the basement or clean out the attic, I guess you could say, when we look deep at the roots in our heart, um, that is what I would, I would say is spend time with the Lord. I know it's hard and like waking up early sounds terrible or doing it on your lunch break. Um, but that those moments, that intentional time with the Lord is going to change your life and making space for him to talk with you and to heal you. I think so easily women try to, to, um, fill those holes. Like I talked about earlier with busyness or our children or shopping or whatever it may be. Um, and he's truly the only one who can do that. And it, he might take us to a dark place to realize just how dependent we truly are, how desperate we truly are for him. Um, But I think for someone that feels lost right now, like find someone you trust and speak that out because what the enemy wants is nothing more than to keep you silent and hurting and in shame and in chains. And I think if you can bring light to a dark place, if you can share that with someone you trust, 
um, then you're, you're going to have those chains start to break off. And like, there's nothing like that feeling of that peace when you're like, wow, God, like, look what you just did through me opening up a really dark place of mine. Um, I think for the woman who is feeling like God's calling her to something, I'm going to say go for it because, um, but I think make sure you have spent time with the Lord and you know, that's what he's calling you to. It's not the desires of your heart, Mm -hmm. because I think the root of where this action or this want or this desire is coming from will change everything. And so I would, I would encourage that person to really spend the next, you know, few weeks or days, uh, just with the Lord and saying like, God, just show me, confirm to me, give me a sign that this is from you to have someone speak into my life. And so, um, those were just some of the things that I had to do myself. And, um, it took a little while before my quiet time with the Lord became something I craved. I like had to make myself do it for the first few weeks. I think it takes like 12 or 13 times to make something a habit. Like you just do it. Um, and I think those moments or those days when I have my quiet time with the Lord, it changes the entire day. It changes my reactions. It changes my patience and the joy that I feel. Um, it changes how I am as a mother and a wife. And, and so I think it might take away your sleep a little bit, but it'll be worth it. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Those are um, great words of wisdom for sure. So spend time with the Lord, chase peace, bring your brokenness. He can use it all. He can use it all, but meet with him. Um, So I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah, for just, again, just taking time to be with us today, sharing your amazing story. Um, And I would just love for you to just close this episode out in a prayer over the listener today, if, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I'd love to. God, I just want to thank you so much for Katie. God, thank you for the gifts and the talents that you have poured into her. God, and the way she's stewarding this. God, the way that she is trusting you and Lord, I just want to pray over her family and the families listening today, Lord, I I pray that you speak something that we needed to hear through this. God, it's scary when you share your story and when you're raw with others, but I believe that when you share you, nothing comes back void. And so God, I just pray for the, the women listening right now, Lord, and if it's grief or if it's a scary decision, God, or if it's Um, a big leap of faith that they need to take. God, I just pray that they sense you right now, that they feel your love and God, that you give them their next steps. Lord, if you're directing our path, God, make it straight, close doors where they need to be closed and open them wide, God, where you're leading us. And God, I just want to thank you so much for our sweet community here in Clarksville, God, and the way that you're using people um, to bring glory to you. And so, Lord, I just thank you so much for the people listening, for Katie. And God, I just pray blessings over them. Amen. Amen. Hey, friend, are you feeling stuck? Maybe in your relationship with God, yourself, or other people in your life. As a professional life and relationship coach, I can help you discover unhealthy patterns and mindsets that are holding you back from experiencing more fulfilling relationships and stepping into that God-sized calling in your life with confidence. You can email me at katie at anchoredinalways.com or go to bit.ly forward slash anchored in discovery to schedule your free 20-minute discovery session with me to see how we can partner together. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode and would like to connect and learn more, join our community on Facebook at Anchored in Always. I will put all of these links in the show notes for you. 
Lastly, I want to bring this message of hope and healing to as many hurting people as possible. So help spread the love by sharing this podcast on your social media outlets. Please take a quick minute to subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you for anchoring in with me today. God bless you as you weather your storms.